Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I explore the subject of fame by talking to people who've experienced it themselves and ask them how it has affected their own journey as well as the lives of those around them. My guest today is presenter Sam Homewood. Sam fronts ITV's flagship kids weekend breakfast show, Scrambled, and is about to be one of the presenters on a reboot of the iconic educational kids TV show, How. Sam has also presented on ITV2's Love Island After Sun, and is the host of the United podcast for Manchester United's official channel, MUTV, as well as working on music channel 4 Music. Sam got into presenting having earned a master's degree in journalism, with which he secured a job at ITN, and he has since gone on to present for television, radio, digital, and numerous live events, including a range of international music festivals. I'm sure Sam's biggest ever credit on his CV, though, is when he hosted the Football Republic's World Cup halftime quiz with yours truly back in 2018. So it's a great honour to give a huge Almost Famous welcome to Sam Homeward. How are you, Sam? I'm great. Also, that was so much fun. That, uh, that World Cup and doing that quiz was so much fun. Mate, it was, uh, well, for, for the audience who don't know, I uh, produced and uh, every so often presented on a, a football channel called The Football Republic, and we got this uh, very late on brand deal with Panasonic to uh, give away a expensive TV every uh, kind of every World Cup day. And so we made this little quiz and Sam hosted it with me, and it was, it was amazing fun and um, almost as fun as about two days later when they sacked me. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that was the horrible bit, wasn't it? Because it, was like, it was so much fun. And it was like every day of the World Cup, we were watching watching the games together. And then like giving away a TV is a fun thing to do and doing it like every day. And, there's the, and there were so many games and it was joyous. And then, yeah, then that happened and kind of spoiled it a bit, didn't it? I imagine more so for you than me, if I'm honest. <laughs> slightly, slightly more so for me. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, the good news is it wasn't anything to do with the fact that uh, we ran that quiz. The quiz went really, really. In fact, that was one of the weird things about losing my job is the day before a whole email had gone round the entire company being like, this has been the most successful digital World Cup thing on the, on the internet in the, like digital football channels. We're so proud of you guys. And then the next day, you're like, yeah, we're going to take the channel in a different direction. Yeah, weird. <laughs> People are weird with the internet. People are very weird. But more importantly, Sam, mm-hmm. uh, I always ask my guests this. Did I miss anything out of your intro? How was it? Um, so I'll, embarrassingly, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, and I had, <laughs> had pre-prepared a stupid answer, <laughs> which was... Mate, all that means, all that means is you've listened to this before and I'm very happy about that. Of course. Um, the the only thing, and I was, I thought when he asked, I, I'll have to point out I've broken 11 world records and then instantly point out that all of them are ridiculous so that it doesn't count for anything, but I find it hilarious 
And as someone who loved world records when I was a kid, as an adult, it's something I, I, I don't let go of as much as I should. Yeah. So uh, the only question I have to ask about, well, I have a few actually. But the first one, which may surprise you is, having been on your agent's website, why is that not top right at the very top of all your cv on your agent's website good question i will address this tomorrow yes so you should and obviously the audience would hate me if i didn't say please name all 11 world records uh right that might be difficult but i will try so um the most balloons sat on and burst in 30 seconds um the some of them don't make any sense like that's obviously stupid and novelty but at least it makes sense this one makes no sense the most pancakes filled and wrapped in uh, like a minute or something um and that involved not making pancakes or tossing pancakes but putting fruit inside them putting the sauce inside them and then folding them over so they didn't rip right doesn't i don't understand why that's a thing um there was the most emoji cards paired so you know the game pairs where you turn over a card then you have to turn it back on itself and then you pick up another card, like the speed at which you can match them up. So it's sort of yeah, like a memory yeah. game. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, part of a team that collected the most coins on a game of Mario Kart, um, <laughs> okay. there was four of us and we collected like 50 something coins. So between the four of us, it should have been like, tw- uh, I don't know what, 16 each or something. And mm. I think I collected three because okay, I'm not I, good I, at that. I now regret asking for all yeah. eleven, and I think you're going you're yeah. going to be glad that I'm going to stop you. But I, yeah, I'm assuming I'm yeah. assuming that this is as part of your work on Scrambled. That's right. Yes. Yeah. All rubbish, uh, ridiculous, um, stupid things. The only one I am genuinely proud of is the fastest time to assemble a Mr. Potato Head blindfolded. Did that <laughs> in did fifteen these... seconds. Uh, uh, was it a matter of you know brainstorming with the production team? Uh, no, you just get world told. records. You just, this is what we're doing. So I think what happens is Guinness World Records, uh, obviously, uh, they want you to have a go at breaking a world record. And it's because it's TV, they should be silly. So I think they try to find ones that are attainable. And a lot of them, if you if you watch all the same programs, like Blue Peter will have a go at a record. And then maybe two months later, we'll have a go at the same one. And it's sort or the other way around. And it's sort of, they all go round, I think, because they're all the things that any sort of normal idiot can have a go at. Yeah, got it, got it, totally got it. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll get we'll get more into kids TV very soon, mm-hmm. actually, because also I'm especially interested because my first job uh, in TV was at CBBC, so I, I mm-hmm. worked at I worked yeah. in kids TV as well, and I think it's a slightly, often slightly um, underrated and maybe even slightly scorned upon uh, medium, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it's very important and often very good. But um, again, going back to my formatted question, Sam Homewood, are you famous? Uh, no. I would say um, considerably not so. Uh, the closest um, uh, arguments that are made are when people I'm with have to explain to other people why they think I am famous, which is always incredibly awkward and not at all fun to be stood there going, yeah, no, he's on telly. What's he on then? Oh, he's on this program. So I, um, if I meet people that I don't know and they ask me what I do, often I will lie. And And you will say what then? Uh, if they know I work in television, often I will claim I'm an editor uh, because nobody's interested in an editor. I, it's unfortunately true. My little brother is an editor. Um, I've done editing. People very rarely ask you too much about it. Uh, and it's not because like I, I'm embarrassed. Or I don't want to talk about it. But sometimes I think, um, uh, I don't know, people, maybe it's, maybe it's me, people um, will will expect something from you that I maybe can't give. I don't know if that makes any sense, um, but often 
I wonder if people think, oh, well, you're on top. Who are you then? Or, or do you know what? Sometimes what's worse is people apologize to you for knowing who you are. And that's awkward, too. Um, so I, I don't always tell people. Sometimes okay. it's easier. So I then the first thing that came into my head hearing that was I wonder then, is there an element in you that or have you ever thought that potentially by doing that, you are in some way lessening your chances of becoming, say, you know, a huge TV presenter who everyone knows about. Because in the uh, in a great deal of those cases, it's very much kind of extrovert people who are very mm -hmm. proud of what they do and want to push it as much as they can and network very hard and stuff like that. Or is it just, is it nothing to do with that? And you think that's very possible anyway? It's, it's a difficult one. It's a really good question. I think, so I think I would see myself as like classic middle child i have three brothers four yeah i have three brothers and one of four and i think probably as a child i was like a big time show off who wanted as much attention as i could possibly get uh, and that was probably true for most of my life but i think a weird thing happened when i started working in telly in that um i think maybe what i didn't necessarily want was attention but i loved performing and i loved uh, being creative and having an audience and you sort of get that and maybe I sort of get my fill of that from doing TV. So actually, I think it's not always true. And I'm sure lots of people who know me would disagree. I think I, I'm actually um, not shy, but much more quiet uh, often in real life than I sometimes am. Because you get to go and do all those crazy things and have all that fun. You don't need to do it 24-7. Maybe that's not true, as I've said that. Maybe people would think that's a load of rubbish. And actually, I'm just really loud all the time. No, I, I don't know. That's not actually what you give off to me off camera because I've obviously worked with you off and mm -hmm. on camera. So no, that that yeah. kind of that does make sense. Um, from a personal point of view, I wonder. I'd like to kind of compare uh, because I would say, and I've said on this podcast before, that actually, if I'd have been able to be honest with myself from the ages of maybe sixteen through my twenties, I would say actually I a would like to be a presenter and b think I could be quite a good presenter and I had a few little dalliances with it like I had a screen test uh, for a couple of <laughs> things uh, but but I was always slightly ashamed of saying it out loud because especially back then I think there was always a feeling to me of like almost like it's quite grotty to suggest you'd want to be a presenter almost like it's yeah going back to what you said about is it's just saying I want to be a show off I want to be paid for just saying mm -hmm. stuff and it's deemed not to be as talented a role as something else now did you ever feel any of that or did you kind of stumble yes, into I, the I, into the job no so uh i i i literally stumbled into the job that that is definitely true but when i was uh when i was at school and at secondary school and stuff i think this was a thing i always thought I could do and to an extent it's a thing I always thought I would do uh with no plan to it though like I never went I'm going to be a TV presenter here so I'm going to do it um but if I was sat by myself and thought about my options it was always one of them um but I, I don't know why and I you know I didn't necessarily look to loads of I didn't watch TV and be like oh that's how you do that and that's how you do that and I'd like to do that it just always felt uh like a like an option and it's weird to say that because it's it's not really real like realistically it's low like it's not that big an option to most people um the thing I wanted to do that I wouldn't say out loud, and it's probably still true, is I wanted to do comedy. Okay. And I have never done stand-up, and I think that's the thing. When I was younger, I worked out that I was funny and that I could make people laugh, and I always thought, oh, that's really cool. I'd love to do stand-up, and I have never once, like, properly pursued it. And that was the thing. And when I was like 18 and like people, you know, getting ready to be university and stuff, I said, oh, what do you want to do? There was always a part of me that just wanted to go, do you know, I'd like to be a comedian. 
but I never felt like that was a thing you can say because it's, it's you're sort of making a statement about yourself before you've done anything. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I mean, especially good point for me because I have, I've done eight years of stand up, and yeah. I probably, I, I. The difference is that when I was at university, I very much remember having conversations with people about stand-up and I would say, I'd love to do it, but I could never do it as myself. I only ever thought I'd be able to do it as a character. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, when I did kind of 10 years later, finally start doing it, I did do it as myself, although you always, you know, you always find a persona depending on what yeah. your material is, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So what, so having now made the, you know, as having made the jump into presenting or, or had that made that your career, which I always deem to be a harder thing to say out loud, what has then stopped you from then saying, well, I've succeeded at this and, uh, and I'm successful at this. So why don't I try stand up or would that be too much of a having to start all over again type thing? It's, it's, it's a bit of both is the honest answer. I think, I think, because uh, also sometimes when I go for meetings with production companies or commissioners at, at channels and stuff, they're sort of saying, you know what, you know, we've got this show, we want a comedian to host it. And uh, I know you mentioned earlier, I did um, Love Island After Sun. And I was very, I think I was very lucky to get that opportunity because they wanted for that role, because I was running around, you know, most people have seen it, I was running around in the street um, with a microphone, just sort of screaming at people and having conversations. And it was all a bit manic and mad and fast. And um, they wanted a comedian for it. And sometimes I'll meet people and they go, yeah, we've got the show. We want a comedian to do it. And I'll go, well, I'm not a comedian. I think I'm funny, but I'm not a comedian. And they go, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? So we're going to, and, it, and, but um, I, so, so you sort of think, well, I should do it. So I have sort of made efforts. Like I've spoken to, uh, you know, Glenn Moore. Uh, yeah, by name, not personally. Yeah. So I've spoken to him. Um, he's, he's a writer on Scrambled mm. and I've spoken to him about, um, about that and you know and he's given me some advice and he gave me some contacts and I did get in touch with some people but never really got a lot going and it's one of those things where sort of to an extent it's like well I don't want to distract from what I've got chasing something else because actually I'm working really hard as much as I can to do more of what I'm already doing yeah um so and, I, and you know I don't I try to work constantly uh, I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm ever not really focused on what I'm doing um, because, you know, there's no real goal in being a TV presenter, but I'm driven to achieving more of it. Of course, and, it's a career. Uh, there's a part of me, yeah, exactly that, yeah. And so there's a part of me that is like, well, do you know, I don't, it, you know, maybe, maybe I could have done stand-up and that would have been fun, but you know, what? I don't want to spend the next seven years um, doing doing those tiny venues and trying to get around when actually as a as a presenter, I've I've stood live in front of, 40,000 people so maybe maybe you know take the role I've got and you know have fun where I can and be funny where I can and but you know don't try and rebrand myself and start doing stand-up I guess is yeah it is sort of what I thought it's funny that you said seven years because actually in general I think the years it is usually about seven years before you ever see anyone on tv there are some exceptions but from stand-ups kind of starting to ever actually getting through I want you are one of the loveliest men I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast you are actually one of the loveliest men I've met so I know that you might not feel comfortable answering this question but I, I feel like I want to ask how do you feel when you watch stand-ups come and do tv presenting and you know that you've had those conversations with producers where they're like well we want a stand-up to do this and is there any element of you that's like you you don't know this craft but you're being thrown in and and therefore it's a bit of a like fuck you for coming and stepping on my turf kind of thing <laughs> no uh, brutally honestly no because i think 
often the people that get those roles. So if you say like Rob Beckett on Celebs Go Dating, for example, he's doing the voiceover stuff. He's really good at it. And I totally get why they want uh, comedians in, in those roles. He's really good at it. Joel Lycett does stuff. He's brilliant at it. Um, the only thing that I ever think is sometimes if, if someone has that viewpoint is I think I totally get it. You want someone funny, but maybe open open the door a little bit to being it has, you know, you need to say occupation comedian, just, just, you know, cause other people can be funny too. Um, so you've, you've just come up with two examples uh, yeah. there. Sorry to interrupt, but you just come up with two examples. Yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd say Rob Beckett thing is slightly different because it, uh, the voiceover role is so involved in tone. So I, I think that all comes back down to, yeah, the, you know, Dave Lamb yeah. having done come dine with me and, and how big that was, yes. etc. Now, an example I'm going to give, and he's a, he's also a very lovely man. Uh, I haven't met him. I haven't seen him for years, but Joel Domit doing, the Masked Singer, right? That yes. to me is an example of, he's a comedian. He'd never done such a big, you know, it's a prime time show. Yeah. He's doing what I would say is a presenter's job with possibly a few little monologue gags thrown in. I would argue potentially that there are presenters out there, and I'm not just saying you because you're on this podcast, mm-hmm. but there are presenters out there who, if I were in their shoes, I'd be a bit like, why is this guy getting this slot? Do you know what I mean? He, Yes, I guess he was on I'm a Celeb. I get that, wasn't he? That's He, he did reality. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's the kind of, you know, that's what I'm talking about. More that kind of, pr- especially prime time stuff where you've spent your life trying to, your career, you know, your professional life, working your way up to hopefully get an opportunity like that. And then potentially a comedian comes in, goes on a reality show and suddenly is thrust into the those kind of jobs. Is that not slightly frustrating or am I barking up a, an invisible tree? It's not. No, I completely understand the point you're making. It's... I. It's not something I find frustrating because I can see how it happens. Like, so I think if you want to if you want to host like a Saturday night evening show on ITV or BBC before like this is before the craft, you need to be you need to pull people in. So you need to be a big enough name. You need to be a big enough person in, in people's living rooms that when they see you, they're like, great, love this guy. And then I think the rest to an extent comes after. And that's a I guess that's a bit like in a I don't know this is maybe a really weird example like in a boy band or something if they can all dance they all look great singing isn't the most important thing no totally plenty of ex- plenty it, of examples proving that down the years yeah and it's it, to an extent it's a bit like that and I, I you know hopefully one day my chance will come and I'll ride a wave and there'll be a the my profile will will rise over time and those opportunities will come and then hopefully I'll do great and that's um that's sort of it. And, you know, hopefully Joel is, it does great and people watch it and they think he's superb. And I think it's just, you know, everybody's, everybody, I guess, will get the opportunities to get their opportunities, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. And so I have to ask this then, because I've, I've gone down that avenue. Would you, mm-hmm. well, two part question. A, have you been offered any kind of reality stuff? And B, would you take would you go on something like the jungle, etc., like that, to raise your profile? Is that something you'd be interested in? I would definitely do it because one, I think it would be really fun, yeah. And two, obviously, uh, from a, a working perspective, it's very useful. Um, but it would be really fun. And the only thing that I'd be rubbish at is because uh, I'm vegan. Like all the bush chucker trials and stuff wouldn't. <laughs> it'd be like, will you eat this sprout? Have they never had a vegan on there? I've never thought about that. Uh, I think they've had some, but not loads. 
I remember uh, very, I re- remember very enjoyably um, the woman who would just faint at everything and then was fake yes. fainting. Which one was that? She's yeah. the one who. Gillian um, McKeith. Gillian McKeith, yeah, excellent. She was always TV. looking at people's poo, wasn't she? That was her. That's her her claim to fame. Yeah. And then always she went on there the and was very clearly faking her own uh, fainting, which yeah. is very funny. Um, that was the end of her career, wasn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I do, you know, not to bang on about it, Sam, but you, you do seem yeah. like just a genuinely straight up guy and i do think kind of knowing knowing the egos involved in comedians and a lot of presenters and stuff i i think you're in the minority in terms of answering those questions in such a sane i'll get my opportunity if i work hard enough kind of way because there are so many people i've been in so many cars with comedians for example on the way back from gigs where they're you know they're so angry at other comedians for getting opportunities that they felt they should get first etc etc so it's it's a refreshing take Sam. Well, I mean, I, I think um, I think generally I'm quite positive anyway. Mm. Like I'm just sort of built that way that, you know, that's okay. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, things, do you know there's old expressions like a rising tide lifts all ships? And I think things like that are true. Like there's, a, there's maybe not enough work for everybody to get all the work they want. Mm. But I mean, even if, even if something drastic happened and I didn't get to do anything again if i got hit by a bus tomorrow mm. i mean i've still done loads of cool stuff that loads of people would want to do yeah so it's kind of like there's a bit of perspective um and also you're right i think about um it's difficult because some some people do um with in this industry certainly people are very prone to blowing smoke at you yeah um i've rephrased that slightly because i didn't want to say ass um <laughs> and and i think um i've never i've never really been one for that i've always find that a bit uncomfortable i like if people are giving feedback on set or something i'd rather someone is and like say if i like i work with a director who's brilliant because if i do something that's that he thinks is wrong or i word something badly he'd be like that, that was rubbish let's do that again you idiot and it's not there's no offense This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's taken, but it's much better than someone going, obviously, that was amazing. That was absolutely perfect. It couldn't have been better than what we wanted, but we are going to do it again. Um, but this time, you're brilliant. Uh, be just as brilliant, but maybe do it this way brilliant instead of the way you did it, which was also brilliant. Um, and I, I think some people find it harder to see through that and get a bit more more i don't know if you've seen that they they get a bit more caught up in it and it's i i know um you said before and talking about people's experiences that are that are negative of criticism and stuff i think that's that then becomes worse and becomes more personal if you if you believe all the good stuff yes. then you kind of have to believe all the bad stuff yes and totally. that puts you in a very very difficult space whereas my approach is sort of if the people I'm working with are, are happy and I, you know, I think it's going okay, then perfect. And then if it's received well, great. And if people uh, aren't that interested in it, yeah, it's a shame. But, well, you know, if we had a nice time doing it, then the, the memories will feed me. Can you think of any examples where you've known you've done a particularly bad job and someone yes. has come up to you and said, great job, Sam. And you're like, <laughs> stop blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loads of times. Um, but I think I'm quite harsh on myself. Uh, and I try to watch, I try I do, lots of people, I think will say, oh, I never watch myself. I try to watch things I've done to, to see how I've done. And sometimes I, um, uh, not long ago, I saw the clip, some of the clips from when I did Love Island, uh, they were just in front of me on the good. I was like, oh, I'll watch those. And I'd watched those and I thought, I think I did a really good job at that. And I was really pleased with myself. Um, but not in like a mad egomaniacal way. It's just like, gives you a little bit, yeah, you know, I'm not terrible at this, uh, but I have done some, um, like occasionally just just on on things that you work on a lot so whether that be a, a man united or scrambled or something you just you do a link or something you think oh that was not good and people go no yeah it's great really good really good i tell you the worst one i did yeah you can um uh you can find this on youtube if you want to laugh i hosted the um amsterdam um music festival which yeah. was the culmination of the amsterdam dance event which is a week long dance music uh celebration and the uh, the this the year this year that I was doing I did it like five or six years in a row uh, this particular year they decided to in, to uh, to um, integrate the what they call the 
DJ Mag Top 100 Awards, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is if, if there was a DJ in Oscars, I guess this is it. Right. Um, they they crowned the number one DJ in the world at this event. And this year I was the host, which is absolutely mad, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, and I was on stage and there's 40,000 people there and there's like 3 million people watching online or something. And uh, we're doing the countdown towards the number one DJ in the world. And the way it worked was, is so um, I would do like, uh, so now we're going to learn who's uh, number 10 to number five. And like a computer would, like a, a video even would, would play and a, a voice would in, announce how it went. And then at number five, I think, I, I'm trying to remember, I think I then did five, four, three, two. And then to do number one was a, um, uh, the, the machine was going to come in again. But originally I was going to announce number one. And it was a very last minute change that it would now be, the the uh, they were going to announce it because they were going to time it for like fireworks and not fireworks but you know um pyrotechnics and all that kind of stuff so i go and uh, now we're going to find out who is the number one dj in the world and it and it and that should have been the line and then the video comes in and i half started announcing who had won yeah then remembered i'm not supposed to be announcing who has won so <laughs> stop speaking but and but there was no surprise everybody knew who had won because when you're counting down there's only one name left so yeah everybody knew who had won but i started announcing that who had won and then stopped and um not perfect by any means um it was your, so it was your oscars just, moment yeah exactly that yeah, yeah it's exactly what it was um so i then Warren stopped Beatty. Halfway through, yeah that, that was me <laughs> halfway through a name i just stopped speaking and remember then the video plays and afterwards everyone's like that was absolutely amazing that was incredible and i was like no it wasn't <laughs> i've had an absolute disaster and they were like no 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 it was incredible and people were like really positive about the whole thing. And I was really grateful. And the people I was working with out there are just the loveliest people. Um, but I was like, this is, no, we all know what happened there. Yeah, I think the closest I've had to that was, uh, and I may have said this on this podcast as well before, but I, I went out and lived in LA for a bit and did I did my first gig at the comedy store there. And I got up on stage and I was so nervous that I forgot my own name. And Amazing. so, like, I literally was like, hi, guys, great to be here. My name's... Yep. And then there was a pause. And my friend, who was just by chance staying in LA at the same time, was there. So I got him to film me, because similarly to you and what you talked about in terms of watching back your stuff, when doing stand-up, yep. the best way to learn is to listen back or watch back your stuff, because you never... You, you might accident you might ad lib something that becomes a mainstay of your set etc cetera, etc cetera, or you learn because of how badly you've been or because you've forgotten your name but when yeah. i um came off stage my mate just went did you forget your name <laughs> and i was like yeah yeah I did. that's amazing and you know and and the gig didn't improve from there frankly but uh yeah that in that what that was in front of probably 20 people but 40,000 people that sounds very scary sam yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's probably the kind of story that I shouldn't share because nobody nobody would know. Uh, but yeah, that definitely happened. That's, um, yeah, that's that would that would freak me out. But the, I think it is yeah. worth sharing because it shows that you're um, self-aware and that you you know and you'll and you learn from these kind of things. I think it's a, you know I think it's a really good thing to share. Um, I wanted to just briefly talk about um, children's TV. So how long have you been doing yeah. scrambled? How long have you been doing scrambled for? Two thousand and. 15 i think was the first series yeah i can check that right now it might have been 2014 um and i wanted to particularly ask um about kind of the subject of credibility because i'd say a lot of presenters so like i said i i worked on a magazine show called exchange on cbbc i started as a runner oh, i loved exchange yeah otis yeah otis and um yeah, yeah and uh oh um holly willoughby 
was a presenter yes, on it when yeah, I was there. Yeah, of course she was. I forgot about that. Uh, so great. Show. Um, I would say, based on my experience, um, a great deal of the presenters on Exchange when I worked on it mm-hmm. were very much using it as a stepping stone. And I would mm-hmm. say when you had them off camera, they were a lot more honest. No, no names, not 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 necessarily the people I just talked sure, about, sure. but yeah. they would, you know. They would suggest a little bit, I'm too good for this. I'm using it as a stepping stone. I should be presenting whatever. Now, good that you told us. So 2050, so you've been doing that for five years. You're about to start another kids TV show. Yeah. I I get the sense with you from having talked to you before that you just generally, uh, genuinely enjoy doing kids TV and it's a job that you love. And so you wouldn't feel that way. Is that fair? Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I also think um, the landscape of of television has changed so much that actually, uh, I mean, I worked on Love Island, which is a very adult show um, and one that's watched by millions on the same weekends that I was doing children's television for the same network. So I don't think you have to make those choices anymore. No, I mean, that's true. You, you can do and some people will do. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. I love all the people I work with. Uh, I think we make a good show. I enjoy making it. And um, yeah, like, you know, you always want new opportunities. Yeah. But it's not, um, I don't see it as a, as a, you know, I, I didn't take the job thinking this is a stepping stone. I took the job thinking this will be so much fun. I'm really excited to do this. And so that's how I still feel. So that's why I do it, I guess. Yeah. And that's probably why they're still, they still have you doing it as well. And so do you have a grand plan? I mean, as an example, during lockdown, I found it a, a very um, creative time. And I, for the first time, wrote down a kind of list of achieve- 10 achievable goals that I wanted to achieve over the next oh, nice. decade. Do you have any kind of TV or presenting or career-based feelings of this is something I would love to get to? This is something I would love to do? Um, well, I mean, we should circle back and find out what your list entails. <laughs> I would never tell um... anyone. That's the whole thing <laughs> okay. about making them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's... there. Yeah, kind of. But... Um... So, you know, so I'll give you a, a, a weird example. So I don't think I'm like Dermot O'Leary, particularly in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. But I I think uh, I, I really admire him because I think he's really good at what he does. And I don't know him, but from the outside, it seems like that's all he cares about. He just wants to be great at his job. And I think he is great at his job. But isn't why. So like when we're talking about fame and stuff, I don't think that's something that interests him. I'm sure there are benefits that he takes advantage of. And why not? And I have no problem with that at all. But I, I don't he doesn't seem to be someone who's looking for celebrity. He's someone who but but he's still able to do these big shows. And I think that is what I would like to do. I'd love to get to that point of being able to do, I don't know. The Masked Singer, for example, as a, as an example. Um, but those shows that come in the future, that are those big uh, family shows that are just about everybody having a great time and really enjoying them, and and all all sort of gathering around the TV. And I don't know how much that happens now because the the landscape for television has changed so much because of things like YouTube and Netflix and mm-hmm. um, uh, the the concept of iPlayers and hubs and stuff. Um, but those kind of shows I would love to do. Um, but Equally, I work in football and I genuinely cannot believe that I get to do the things I get to do within the world of football as someone who has grown up loving it more than anything in like consistently through my life. I've been obsessed with football and Manchester United. And like even now during lockdown, when no one else is is going to the games, I still get to go. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's not something I'd ever want to stop doing. I, I so I, it's, you know, I'm. 
I don't have a specific goal. Uh, I just have goals. And I, at the moment, none are written down. Um, and it's hard to articulate what they would be. I just am trying to be the best I can be in everything I'm doing. And I'm trying to do more of all of those things. Yeah, totally. And 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 it's a good point as well. I feel like maybe even, I mean, obviously digital wasn't around, but maybe even 20 years ago, being able to, in a similar way to what you talked about, you know, doing kids stuff and Love Island on the same weekend, you probably wouldn't be able to be a sports presenter and, uh, you know, and a kids presenter and, uh, you know, entertainment presenter all at the same time. So that is that is a real positive for you, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you can, you sort of don't have to choose. You can just every opportunity that comes you can you can sort of grasp with both hands and go for um, yeah yeah totally um so my audience will know if they've been listening to this series that uh i've wanted to talk to my guests a little bit more um in this uh, in this series about times where they've had some potentially had some negativity so some guests have brought negative reviews or been uh, some internet trolling and stuff like that and actually uh while chasing you for this stuff you're like there hasn't been a great deal of this and that's fine i've had people like that as well but you did mention one article that has been that was uh written and put on the mail online when the announcement of this reboot of the show how came out and i think it's really interesting actually because even though it, this this kind of shitty article doesn't mention the presenters of the new show I am intrigued how reading that um, article made you, in the no- as the person in the knowledge that you were going to be presenting it, feel about the potential of there being a shitstorm when it starts coming out. Well, it's, it was a it was weird because the article was just bait to to the kind of readers that would be furious that, for example, the 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 concept of the article was the possibility that the new version of how wouldn't do a native american hand gesture at the end of the show which is traditionally how the the previous iterations of the show have finished so it didn't even know for sure it was just a guess that this probably won't happen no totally the, just so, sorry to interrupt but just for the audience yeah. i'm going to read that headline just the headline it says iconic itv kids show how is set for a comeback 15 years after being axed but presenters are unlikely to perform native american hand raise as it may be deemed inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is so weird. It's such a weird thing that someone went down and went, what can we, how might we come about? What can we write about that? Uh, like, what about the best episodes? Or, no, I'll tell you what, they're probably not going to do do that uh, hand gesture, are they? No, probably not, because it's absolutely unnecessary. So, what, yeah, let's, let's upset everybody. It's just really weird. Like, the mindset behind writing it is bizarre. And then the, the comment section was exactly what they wanted. And it was one of those things, if I'm honest, when I read it, I started laughing because I thought um, the people... That so, I mean, some of the things that were written genuinely were appalling. Um, it's worth asking you this because you've worked in journalism, I think, more than anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think now there are people whose jobs, uh, particularly at places like Mail Online, whose jobs, whose bosses will say to them, your job is to go through press releases, listen to podcasts, and find things where we could put articles in that will get racist, offensive abusive comments because that's engagement i think that probably happens do you think that's possible based on your knowledge of journalism is it is it probably not as as on the nose as that i i think that i mean i'm sure i'll phrase this terribly i think that journalism for the most part is dead i think that the king in all of these things is uh engagement and engagement has no 
uh, compass for what is good, what is bad. It's just reaction. So if you can put something on Twitter that makes 50% of the people absolutely furious and 50% of the people incredibly defensive, you've got absolute gold. It doesn't matter what you've written. It doesn't matter what the content is. Like this, this article, for example, is perfect. There's no news to it. It has the word unlikely in its prediction in the title. <laughs> it's not news. It has no information, but it made loads of people really angry. And their hope would be, the response would be exactly this conversation. People are now defending the 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 idea of you not doing a Native American hand gesture if you're not Native American and saying hello to somebody. So that's 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 all we have now. Like clickbait is is so real beyond like when people write it on headline, people all like on Twitter you just like quote it oh clickbait. But it's it's so much deeper and so much more important to those industries because news now survives from advertising. Advertising if it's online are paying per clicks on the page. The clicks on the page don't care if they love the article or hate the article, they just need that click. So if you can create a piece of content that will polarize everybody, you will get that engagement, you will get those clicks, you will get replies that say, delete your account, get your newspaper is scum. They don't care, they're getting the response. That's all that matters. And they can take that information and they can show their clicks and their responses and their engagement percentages to the advertisers, they can charge a bit more money. And so I, I think actual, journalism is uh is so limited and um I, I mean as someone who likes football you see that now like people people talk use ryan giggs as an example people talk about ryan giggs and go yeah we only got like four assists when uh, united won the treble entirely irrelevant because the, the game of football is not totally boiled down to statistics and the the shape of teams the formation everything's different but at the moment everything is just online to be just, just divisive yeah, it's 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 very true and well. It was very well put, in fact, Sam. But also very bleak. And, I, and and one of the reasons I wanted to uh, to ask you about it is because actually, I I now think that there are a few journalists who are listening to this podcast just in the hope that there's something newsworthy that comes up. Because we've had a few examples, and the most recent one was we had Lulu Popplewell on, who's a comedian. Yeah, and, I saw. Yeah, and she was um you know played that she was a child actor in in Love Actually played the lobster. Yeah. And um, all she said, all she said in in, in this podcast was, um, I I don't really like the film. You know, she's an adult now. It's not my fav- It's not my type of film. Basically, is what she mm-hmm. said. And yeah. she said that she remembered Hugh Grant on set, and he didn't like kids. And that and that's it, right? <laughs> and then yeah. the, ma- the male jumped on it, and the comments were so abusive to her. It was untrue. And then she and then and and then uh, the Metro grabbed it off the mail. It was actually in the physical edition of the Metro, which I was that's unbelievable. And and some other publications jumped on it as well. And poor Lulu, you know, who just gave such a great interview and was just such a lovely person, started yeah. having to tweet about how much abuse she was getting. And most of it, of course, was about how she looks and stuff, which is completely you know ridiculous and and so abusive and and cruel and i just i i'm just thinking like you know this podcast has like a growing audience and a and a dare i say an engaged audience but i i think that the only way the press got hold of that is because they now have people listening to podcasts just looking for yeah. cheap stories and it's it's really bizarre to yeah. me to me anyway yeah but i um, think you're right it's, it's horrible that that happened yeah really cruel um okay sam it's been a great interview i'm going to move into just the quick fire quiz before asking the last sure. question uh what's the most okay. embarrassing thing that's happened to you because of being and i'm going to say famous but i know you don't think you are but you know because of being um, in the public eye oh uh i seem to embarrass myself i mean you did say the forty thousand, the forty thousand, uh the 40, yeah, that was, people that thing was, is up there that was pretty good 
Um, I mean, I'm I'm sort of uh, tell you what I did that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, I mean, there's definitely going to be better things than this. Um, but I'm on the spot. Uh, when filming, how I broke my elbow. <laughs> And how did you do that? I'm sorry. Uh, I can't go into too much detail because the show isn't out yet. Uh, but I was um, trying to complete a challenge. And it was very clearly um, uh, something to approach with caution. And I did not approach with caution. No. And I was wearing elbow pads and a helmet and all sorts of safety stuff. Um, well, I imagine it being very similar to that famous clip where Tom Cruise broke his ankle during the filming of Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, a bit like that, but far less cool. Yeah, far less cool. Uh, okay, what's the best yeah. thing about being famous, Sam? Um, um, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever given me any free stuff, so I can't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might get something from the, from the journalists I, at the Mail Online. I think, yeah. Oh, God, I don't know if I want it. Um, um people are kind mostly i think and when you meet people do you know what people send me this is this is a this is a good one i get i think mostly due to um the main podcast that we do that people will reach out with their own stories when they've heard something that has touched them and it's really wonderful to think that you can you can be involved with somebody because i think my biggest worry uh, when it comes to work and stuff is uh, it's like I don't know, like making a difference at the end of the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and I sometimes think, am I make like especially in, like now when you think about what's happening in the world, um, and there are people doing extraordinary things. Like my wife is a primary school teacher, and but li- li- not exaggerate. Literally every day she's going in and she's impacting the lives of, of thirty people. Of and you think, boom, that's amazing. And and you know it's really hard work. And I just sort of clown around and have the, just a wonderful time. I don't really make any difference. But with that, sometimes you get messages from people and, and, and things we've done have made a difference. And that is bloody lovely. Yeah, no, that must that must feel really good. Sam, final question, yeah. knowing all that it entails yeah. and with the benefit of hindsight, would you give fame up if you had the chance, by which I mean you'd have the same financial life, profession, you'd have the same personal life, you would just never, ever have anyone come up to you and say... I saw you on Scrambled or Man United's podcast. Um, that's a great question. I think, if I am honest, the answer is no. Good. Be honest. I like the honesty. Yeah, and I don't know why. I just think I think I probably wouldn't. Um, and for no, I don't have a reason for it. Um, I just think that's that's what my instinct said. No, I wouldn't. That's, to be honest, I mean, it's every now and again. It's quite fun. If I like, sometimes I'll be somewhere. And not, it doesn't happen very often. They might be like a kid with their mum, and they'd be like, oh, that's, that's, and you'd be like, oh, that's quite cool. Yeah, and like it's a nice little, nice little boost in the I, afternoon if you totally. When I used to present the Spurs channel, because you, yeah. you, we worked together when Sam worked on a Man United channel, and I worked on a Spurs yeah. fan channel. I actually uh, would get some of that from Spurs fans. I also got a bit of abuse from Spurs fans as well, but sure. I found yeah. it. I found it sometimes quite awkward i have to say yeah and, uh, yeah, and i think you're true. probably better at dealing with it than me but i found it slightly awkward but when it was i found it more awkward when it was adults than when it was kids to be honest because the kids had a bit of kind yeah. of wonderment in their eyes about about meeting yeah. someone i guess they'd seen on youtube yes I, I know exactly what you mean um but it's i mean it's 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 not really real is it it's all sort of fun I imagine if you asked like Justin Bieber that question, it would be very different. No, exactly. And we've got him on next week. So uh, Super. all good. Yeah. Um, Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you'd like to plug? What have you got? Um, 
uh, where can they find where can they find you on social media Uh, you obviously got how coming out what date does that come out yeah uh, i don't know (laughs) oh great okay Uh, this month it'll be out in november on itv um i think uh i I think it's really good i'm really excited about it i think mostly just i don't know that's gonna plug being nice i quite like yoga (laughs) i was doing this thing on youtube it's got yoga with adrian bloody loved it it's really nice who's who's adrian I know she's um I think I think she's an American woman she's certainly North American I think American she could be Canadian um and she does uh yoga do that in the evening she does videos very sort of like 20 minutes half an hour I, really good I did tell the audience on at least two occasions that Sam is the loveliest man and he's just plugged somebody else's work when given the opportunity to plug his own so <laughs> that's that, really good that really sums it up uh Sam thanks again so much guys please do press that subscribe button on Almost Famous rate the podcast and leave us a comment too find us on Instagram at Almost Famous the podcast and on Twitter at pod almost famous and also please check out my new podcast it's your funeral a light-hearted look into the most important day of guests after lives and give it a follow on instagram at pod it's your funeral and we'll be back for another edition of almost famous very soon thanks so much for listening hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code acast for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.